0: Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fundcalibre. I'm Chris Sarley and joining me today is Simon Adler, Fund Manager on the Global Value Team which manages both the Elite-rated Schroeder Recovery and Schroeder Global Recovery Funds. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Could I start just by getting you to explain to our sort of listeners how you would describe value investing?
1: Yeah, so value investing has been around since Ben Graham um, almost 100 years ago. Ben Graham... Established that if you buy companies for less than their worth, if you pick up a fifty p coin when, uh, sorry, a pound coin and only pay fifty p for it, that's a good thing to do. Over time, the academic work has defined value as buying the cheapest companies in the world, consistently buying those, and that has delivered outstanding long-term returns. If you invested ten thousand dollars in June 1926, as far back as the data goes, in the cheapest companies in the world that $10,000 today would be worth $852 million. Whereas if you bought the most expensive companies in the world, the fast growing growth ones, that would only be worth forty-six and a half million. and So value is consistently buying the cheapest companies in the world. That's the academic definition. The more practical definition is buying the companies that you don't wanna buy. Buying the companies that make you feel sick, that make you feel horrible. Because you're buying the ones that no one else is willing to buy. But you're buying the ones that you're very confident are worth one pound and you're only paying 50p for it. And that delivers phenomenal long-term returns for clients By if the fund managers
0: consistently do it. You mentioned companies that were were sick. I mean, how long do you usually wait for a company to get better? How much time do you give them to sort of turn around their fortunes on average? or, Or does it depend on the company?
1: So it depends very much on the company and the issues. Our average holding period is five years. So on average, it's taking five years for these companies' share prices to return to health. But obviously, there are some that are much quicker. We've got one company in our global income fund that we bought at the beginning of the year that has already recovered. There are other companies that might take much longer than five years. The absolute key is patience. You've bought something which you believe is very undervalued and is very attractive for your clients. And you then just have to be patient. Most investors are not willing to be patient. They're not willing to buy these companies that have stumbled in whichever way but doing so and then being patient provides exceptional returns to clients and that's what we're doing
0: day in day out. Uh, you mentioned patience probably quite a relevant word in value investing at the moment. Mm. i mean it's it suffered a setback of its own in recent years with sort of quality and growth stocks doing better. could you maybe explain why that's the case?
1: yes i think the first thing to note is is that is absolutely right. quality and growth shares have done better than value shares in the last 10 years. but value shares have still tripled your money. If you put that same $10,000 into value and growth in 2009, the value shares for today would be worth a bit over $31,000, but the growth would be worth over $50,000. So yes, value has not done as well as growth. That is right. But it has still done well in absolute terms. We are now in a place where people are willing to pay ever higher prices for growth and quality shares. The argument goes that in an unstable world with low growth, you should pay a very high multiple for good businesses and growing businesses. But there is a big problem with that because every 10 years or so, a new argument comes along as to why you can justify paying a very high price for shares. In 2000 to 2010, it was brick economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China. They were suddenly a large portion of the 10 largest companies in the world. The 10 years before that? were the dot-com businesses. The 10 years before that were companies in Japan. Over and over again, the stock market creates a justification to pay an ever higher price for a portion of the market. And over and over again, that leads to significant losses for clients. If you think about it in very simple terms, if you think of your favorite house in the world, if you won the lottery, which house you could buy? Mine is a thatched boathouse on the side of Barton Broad in Norfolk, which is where Nelson first learned to sail. That thatched boathouse might be worth £300,000. I would buy it if I could for £100,000, pounds or even £300,000. But if it was £10 million, there's no way I'd buy it. And that is what's happening today in share prices of growth and quality shares. They are wonderful places. They're just as lovely as the thatched boathouse. But if you pay the wrong price for them you will lose money for clients. People are confusing today great companies with great investments. And today, the great companies are being massively overvalued. Quality shares are trading at their 91st percentile vis-a-vis value. Growth shares at their 96th percentile. These are levels that are almost unparalleled and have never been sustained. So yes, they have done better, but they're now at levels that we think are very dangerous. Whereas value, we think, is in a much safer place to buy your equities in.
0: The Global Fund is now five years old. The Income Fund is nearly 10 years old. And the UK Recovery Fund is nearly 50 years old. Has there been a time in history, as you mentioned, that value has underperformed for so long? So we've got the
1: data back to to 1936. That uses the same data I referred to earlier, but it's 10-year rolling data. And the short answer is no. It has never been this tough. If you look at the rolling performance of value versus growth back to the 1920s and 30s, it has gone negative for the first time ever, i.e. for the first time ever on a 10-year rolling basis, it has been better to buy growth shares. That has never happened before. So we are in an extremely unique place today. It has nearly gone negative once before, and that was at the peak of the dot-com boom. And at that point, everyone thought you could pay whatever price you wanted for a dot-com company because it was going to change the world. And that was a very persuasive argument. And it led to phenomenal capital losses for people that believe that argument. Today, we're in a very, very similar place. People that believe the argument for growth and quality shares. The same thing happened with the nifty 50 in the 1950s onwards. So we're in a very dangerous place with growth and quality shares, in my view, today, we think value is a much safer place to put your equities. And it has never been this tough for value versus growth and quality. And that, that's a very attractive time to be investing in anything. The time to do it is when everyone else
0: doesn't want to. You mentioned that over the past sort of couple of months or three months, we've seen a bit of a change, though. We've seen value stop snapping back and outperforming. And um, is there a base case for that? And if so, how long do you think it might last for? Yeah, so the one thing I can't tell you, is when value will
1: come back, how strongly it will come back, and the manner in which it will come back. Everyone has been looking for the catalysts, but yet no one identified the catalyst as you identify in August, ahead of this bit of a rally for value. So I hope this is the start of a significant rally, but I really can't promise that, and I really don't know that. I would note that the value bounce backs, there was one in 2016, There was one at the end of 2018, and then there was this one particularly in September. They have become stronger and more frequent, um, and that one can um, be encouraged by. But ultimately, it is impossible to know when, how strong, and the manner. But it is possible to know, in our view, that the opportunity today is extremely good if you want to own equities, that value is the right place to do it. And that's what we're trying to encourage
0: clients to do. On the global fund, you are overweight UK and Italian companies and underweight US ones. Could you explain why that's the case? Yeah, I'll start with the US one. And
1: and that's totally right. So if you take something called the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio, so that's the share price divided by the 10-year average profits. And that's been a very good way of identifying medium to long-term future returns. The US 80-year average has been 16 times 10-year average profits. Today, it is on 30 times. That is a level that has never been sustained in history and is likely to lead to no growth or losses Mm -hmm. for investors in the US. So as a result, we have very little invested in the US. We're only invested in selected areas that we think are attractive. Meanwhile, Italy and the UK is trading at reasonably attractive Cape ratios, kind of in line with long-term Averages, which means we should get long term average returns there. The shares we are invested in, in Italy and the US, are trading well below the markets' cape in those markets. So we are finding very attractive individual companies in Italy and in the United Kingdom today. Both of those countries have their own issues, whether that's the debt of the Italian nation, whether it's Brexit, whether it's uh, different political outcomes in the UK. However, if you invest where other people are nervous and you do it in an incredibly selective way, so we're still very discerning. We're just investing in what we think are the most attractive shares in Italy, in the UK or even in the United States. We're saying no to almost every share that we look at over ninety five percent of the shares we look at we're saying no it's, it's not cheap enough. we think that may not bounce back, but just consistently focusing on the most attractive shares in the value segment, we are finding a number in the u k and in Italy, and we believe that will generate attractive long term returns for our
0: clients you mentioned nervous I mean that's a fair, fairly good sort of way to summarize the markets at the moment um, Could you maybe give us three reasons why value will continue to outperform growth in the future? So I'm not going to give you three reasons, but Mm -hmm.
1: I'm going to give you good reasons. How's that? Okay. Um, So the the best reason is that the very long-term evidence clearly identifies that value has outperformed historically. And that buying shares when they're cheap delivers better returns. So I'm a student of history and I'm a student of evidence and a student of data. And all of those three things suggest that value is the right place to be. So over the long term, my personal belief and the belief of our team is that a significant portion of savings should be invested in value for the long term. The second reason is that the opportunity now is, as we talked about earlier, genuinely unprecedented. There has never been this good an opportunity to invest in value vis-a-vis Growth and quality. And that is a very attractive reason to be doing it. So I'm not going to give you three, but I'm going to give you two really good ones. Over the long term, it should work. And the opportunity now is unprecedented. And that is a good reason to be investing, in my view and on, in the view of our global value team, into value shares. Thank you very much for your time today, Simon.
0: Thank you, Chris. I'm Chris Sally. And if you'd like more information on the Investing on the Go podcast, please subscribe to Fun Calibre. Please remember. We've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.